Welcome to Lost Without Japan, a travel podcast about the life-changing experiences of exploring Japan and those moments we would be lost without. For your listening pleasure, allow me to introduce your very own Kanko Gaido, Michael. Welcome to a special Lost Without Moment bonus interview episode of Lost Without Japan. Our bi-weekly podcast is focused on Japan as well as special this special episode where we talk to our community of Lost Without Japan listeners and other podcasters to share their own Lost Without moments. This is your very own Kanko Gaido for TKIC Studio Productions coming to you with hopes and dreams of a return to travel for himself and others in the summer 2022. I'd like to thank you all for giving me a bit of your time today, and I truly hope this podcast finds you in a good place or on the path to a better one, no matter how it may seem at this moment. My belief is that we all could use a beacon like this one in our lives to help guide us during these times, and my hope is that Japan along with the show, will become that for you. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're a returning Lost Without listener, thank you again for your time and returning. For today's show, let me introduce the hosts of Japan 2.0, Matt and David. Their podcast was one that I discovered back in 2016 as I was beginning to do research for my solo 2017 trip to Japan. Their podcast was largely responsible for inspiring me to begin the Lost Without Japan podcast. Japan 2.0 has a wonderful backlog of over 140 episodes uh, for your enjoyment that covers a more deep cut slash like subculture view of Japan. On iTunes, they explain their podcast as being two guys podcasting about the obscure side of Japan that you haven't heard of, but you probably should. I truly feel that this is their theme and really what has attracted me originally to their show and then kept me as a listener after all these years. I feel so very fortunate today to have them join me on an interview with Lost Without Japan. Thank you, uh, Matt and David, so much for joining us today. And I just uh, can't be, uh, you know, geeking out, like I said earlier, like uh, with having both of you here. But Mm -hmm. I I really just can't thank you enough for being here today. Um, Yeah, it's our pleasure, Mike. That's that's quite the intro, man. I learned some new things about myself. I didn't know we had 140 (laughs) episodes. I knew we had a lot, but I didn't know we had that many. You know how long it took for me to cut, you know, count all those, but you know, my son, my, <laughs> one by my, one, one by one, you know, but you know, my son points out at the end, you know, there's a total at the bottom, dad. I'm like, son, I love you. That's why you're, you know, you're smarter than your dad. It's all you hope for for your kids. <laughs> so, uh, but before we uh, get going with today's episode, where can listeners find you and enjoy listening to your podcast about like daily life in Japan and just deep cuts? Uh, yeah, you can find us on iTunes or Spotify, you know, really uh, all over the internet. You just type in Japan 2.0. We usually are one of the first things that pops up. If you spell out point, that, that'll give you, uh, you, you're more likely to find us. Um, yeah, I mean, all the pros the, always say, uh, you know on all podcasting services now it's like the hot the hot phrase so it's, it's true for us i too. don't know if we're on all podcasting yeah, services I though all, all <laughs> i, I kind of doubt it absolute, absolute <laughs> term but 
Yeah, any of the normals, the normals. There. <laughs> All the ones that matter, you know, that's really. <laughs> yeah, the ones that count. That's right. Well, we're first section we're going to start with today, uh, Matt and David, is just kind of a, a little bit to where you can kind of talk about yourselves, uh, really where you're from, um, you know, your like some of your biggest Japan interest, uh, just like that early uh, pre-Japan, Matt and David, uh, anything you'd like to share about yourselves? Uh, sure, I guess I'll, I'll start. And um, yeah, I'm from originally from the U.S., I'm from California, uh, the Los Angeles area, and I've always kind of had a fascination with Japan since an early age. Um, I love video games, and and as I grew older, I, I got into anime and, and stuff like that. And I, I just, all these things that I really like came from Japan, whether I knew it or not. And so as time went on, I just realized it was a place I, I wanted to go to and... Um, I really had aspirations to live in Japan or or spend at least vacations there, kind of like what you want to do and uh, what you've been doing. So, um, yeah, I mean, really, it was just having a lot of interest. You know, there's so many things in Japan that I love: the music, the fashion, the um, the video games, uh, comic books, and manga, and things like that. So yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of, you know, a brief, a brief synopsis of my interests. How about you, David? Well, I don't know how much Mike has shared about himself, so I don't want to say too much, but I think it's safe to say that we are both Midwesterners. I'm a fellow yeah. Midwesterner. I, I'm from Michigan, uh, the suburbs of Detroit. And uh, it was a place with very little Asian culture in general, and absolutely, I can say little to no uh, Japanese culture. This would have been in the, the 90s. I was coming up in the early 2000s. You couldn't find a bowl of ramen in the whole state unless it was top ramen. And um, yeah, I mean, through the internet, thank, thank goodness I was alive at the, the birth of the internet, and uh, I found out <laughs> a lot of stuff about Japan. And I do like ma manga and anime and video games, but it's not like one of my major hobbies. And my big attraction was that to Japan was kind of more from like a design perspective. Um, I was an art major in undergrad, and I was just attracted to the Japanese art and architecture and fashion. And then, um, you know, you got to get the kind of context of that to study any kind of uh, art and um, learning about the philosophies, just kind of the way of life. That's always the stuff that's been my absolute favorite. Um, you know, I found an early podcast. Before there was podcasts, it was called Internet Radio. And it was talking about haircuts in Japan to like the stop stoplights are different. And I used to eat that stuff up. And uh, being from a small country town where no one traveled or is rare to leave the state of Michigan um, from a very early age, like middle school, I just got it in my head that I really wanted to go to Japan. And um, we always, Matt and I always say, you know, we're kind of living living the dream. We got here <laughs> at a fairly, you know, de decent age and uh, kind of doing what we always set off to do, you know living That's, life <laughs> no it's 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 great like i i'm uh suburbs of uh chicago and but before that like i moved i think it was like every year year and a half two years like from all over the states from you know the deep south on up uh but it wasn't until i got to chicago that i actually had anything uh kind of pop up i had a i have a uh, japanese market slash grocer it's up in um arlington heights that's been a stomping ground since i was in high school and i'm uh 43 now so still removed from it but I, we still go there like on a regular basis but there's been a boom 
the last uh, few years, fortunately, to where I actually have some um, like families that have come over from Japan that have opened up like legit Japanese, not just ramen, you know, restaurants to where you can actually have like a, a set, of, you know, like a, a set box lunch, uh, some tempura, some takiyaki, like whatever you want. Like that's, that's insane. There's nothing like that. You know, like 10, 15 years. <laughs> it's it's really like I'm like it's a golden age to be alive. Like you know, yeah. like if I if I can, like again, like my my goal is definitely to get um to Japan, be teaching in Japan at some point, and be living there. Um, but till then, um, it makes that. I, I, like hiatus in between a little bit more manageable uh so it's cool but no um what were for like both of you like, like one of the things about our show is just like those lost without moments and i have them myself and i'm sure you do too but what were those like moments uh or moment that led you to move to uh japan okay well yeah <laughs> I, I mean, really, I just got out. I, I went to college a little later in life. And um, so I was kind of one of the, the weird old guys that co- in college, you know, that, you know, you, you know who I'm talking about. No, I wasn't. I wasn't that kind of old guy. But um, and I knew how to use the Internet, you know, <laughs> so that, all, the, that was good, too. The floppy disks was that, you know, <laughs> yeah, we had those back then. Yeah. That's right. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, yeah. So after I, I left college, uh, really, I, I didn't have many prospects like I didn't know what I was going to do. And um, one of my friends was in South Korea and he was teaching and he told me, all you need is an associate's degree and, and you can be a teacher, too. And so luckily I had an associates in humanities and that's what they, they were requiring at the time. And I joined the uh, program that's it's like the equivalent to the JET program in Japan. It's called GEPIT. And so I, I moved out to Korea. But, you know, my I, my dream was always to come to Japan to teach. And um I wanted to teach, you know, at like the Ikaiwa level, which is kind of like these these cram schools for kids, or there, or you teach like small small children, uh, really young kids, like preschool age and stuff like that, and kindergarten age. So uh, yeah, so I mean, the dream was just still there. And then I met David, and we started podcasting in Korea, and. You know, we were always talking about, wow, we should go to Japan together. It would be great to go to Japan together. Uh, we should uh, definitely um, look into it. And then, yeah, after David went, uh, I was like, oh, this is maybe this is my chance. And so when I, I left South Korea, yeah, I had to come over. What What yeah, about you, David? It's a big thing. And it's really like why I love your, your show, Mike, is because... Um, I think your show does a really rare thing, which is the focus. And we want to have you on our show. And this is kind of the main thing I want to focus on. So I don't want to talk about too much here, but like the idea that Japan's kind of what gets you through your day to day. And I don't know exactly what when you say you're lost without moments, you know, I think it's a, I don't know exactly what that means, to be honest. Um, but I, my interpretation, I think it's kind of a cool idea or a cool term, right? Is because everyone in the audience can have their own interpretation. Yep. And my interpretation of it is a bit, um, you know, like uh, just this loving and dreaming of, of Japan, whether you're here, it's kind of ironic, but you still have those moments. I think um, especially if you live a large portion of your life longing to be here, even though you live here, um, sometimes you're not always present in the moment and you can kind of remember back to those times. And it's like, oh, man, I got to just go out and use a vending machine today because I'm, I'm living here and vending machines are, are so cool, you know. 
And uh, for me, your, your show really captures that. But uh, to answer your question, to get back to it, was, again, this podcast. It was called Guzan Radio. And I think they eventually changed their name to Guzan Media. And this would have been like 2004 or 2005. And there's this guy named Chaz out of Shizuoka, which is like over where Mount Fuji is. And uh, yeah, he was just podcasting. And I had no idea. You know, I wanted to live here, like I said, since I was 12 years old. But I kind of came from a more poor family. And then I was an art student in university. So that wasn't helping my money situation. And I just thought there's no way, you know, I can just afford to even go visit or travel. Again, where I came from, I didn't know anyone who really... If you left the state, it was a big deal. Yes. Um, so it was really this guy, and I feel I owe a lot to him, you know, and I've tried like writing him and stuff, and he's really humble, but it was really his podcast teaching me about, yeah, teaching English and all that. And frankly, uh, teaching English wasn't exciting to me or not something I really wanted yeah. to do, but it was like, wow, this can be a means to an end, and it can get me um, to travel and get some money. So. Again, money, as you can tell, was kind of a theme here. And at the time, Korea was offering a good amount more money. This was uh, when the Ikawa boom kind of fell apart. There's this big company called Nova, and they kind of, they crashed. And they, because they crashed, there's a lot of English teachers. And uh, the pay just kept going down and down and down. And I had a lot of college debt to pay off. So I went to Korea uh, and fell in love with Korea, you know, um, and met Matt, of course, but he was a fellow Japan lover. And it was, uh, you know, our conversations and things uh, kind of made us know, like, as much as we love Korea, we, we, ha we had to get out to Japan. And Japan's kind of where our, our heart was. So that's a very short version. My, my, I'm trying to make it short uh, of a much longer story. But yeah. <laughs> that's definitely. And I, I'm like, for those of you that are uh, interested, I, I, I totally recommend. I'm one of those that go through backlogs, you know, like when I find a show. And uh, yours is definitely worth it from that beginning, um, you know, up through now. And one of the things, you know, they have so many different things they cover. Uh, it, it, it's great. And then your music, too, that you have for outros or intros or, you know, as a part of your show or just your episodes where you're just playing music uh, going through. I'm sitting there and I'm like, whatever, it's an episode where it's just music. I'm like, son, here you go. <laughs> and, and like I'm messaging him the episode and he he, he absolutely loves you know, like that's the, the one that he for sure listens to for anything for it. So it's great. Even when he was. Uh, you know, a little younger and not as into Japan as he is now. Um, like that, the music got him every single time. Um, and for for both of you, um, I know you you started your podcast uh, in Korea. Was it just assumed then, like when you went to Japan, like when you finally got to Japan, both of you that it was going to continue, or how did that end up like uh, getting to the point that you ended up creating that Japan, uh, you know, two point oh 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 oh, you know? <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. It was, the, that was good. it was the complete opposite. Like, uh, any we knew nothing about Korea, frankly, at that time. There, you have to remember, there was no K-pop. Yeah. When did we get there, Matt? 2006, seven? Oh, eight? man. It was 11, year, 11, 12 years ago. So, yeah. I was there a bit before you. I think I got there in 2007 or eight. And uh, there's something called the Korean wave. It was the first Korean wave, um, Halu. And that was more of like a drama thing, like uh, okay. targeted towards more of a feminine, uh, feminine audience. Uh, that was the first Korean wave, really, and some movies, too. Yeah, yeah, there was very little of the K-pop being exported. So not much was on the map about Korea, frankly. And we felt because of that, there was no competition to do podcasting. And again, internet radio slash podcasting 
was something that was really important to me and what got me out to Asia. And um, we felt, I think there was one podcast, I won't name names, about Korea, and it was kind of negative. They were dogging on Korea a lot, and we just, we loved it, you know? And uh, we just thought, hey, let's put out a podcast and just make it really positive and like tell the world about why Korea is this cool place that we're, we're falling in love with, you know? And I think that's kind of always been our mantra, you know, whether it's about Korea or Japan or anything or, you know, we have bad days and there's things yes. here I could complain about, <laughs> but there's enough people complaining on, on the Internet, you know, that we've always tried to kind of keep it positive. But, yeah, I broached, I'll let Matt, Matt kind of do the second half of the story here. I broached Matt when he moved here and I was really missing podcasting. I loved it so much. Um, and when he came here, I was like, hey, Matt, what do you think about doing a podcast in Japan? And what was your very first thought, Matt? I was like, no way. <laughs> I was like, oh, why, why would we do a podcast? <laughs> no, it had nothing to do with that. Um, no, really, there's so many podcasts about Japan. I kind of thought like, well, there's so many podcasts, great podcasts out there. I listen to a whole bunch of them. Uh, what are... You know, what can we provide that isn't already out there? And then as as I was living there, you know, living in Japan, like I started to realize, you know what, there is there is a space for like these niche things, you know, that we're really into or the things, small observations that we make that, um, you know, people don't really talk about. One that kind of has become like a, a term that we use in our day-to-day lives is the bag of shame, right? Yeah. Um, which was this bag that we used to get at the pharmacies when, uh, when you buy like a hygienic product, you know, any hygiene products, they stick it in this black bag. And um, we just started using that in our day to day. That's become a part of our podcast. You know, we did an episode on it. Um, We just kind of found that there were these little things that happened to us that are kind of magical, you know, that we have to talk about, you know, with our our audience. Nuanced uh, life here. And for me, it's always been a throwback again to like these early internet radio things that I can throw out the names, you know, this guy named Rich Platt, Pav, and Guzan Rio. No one's going to know them because it was like 20 years ago and there's no audience. But to me, they're really innovative and doing cool things. And they were talking about similar things, yeah. but uh, they went away, you know, at the days of podcasting. And there's a new audience. And uh, trying to, for me, I'm always trying to like remember those old memories of kind of cool ideas of these guys who just walk around with like really good mics and like record sounds in Japan. And I don't have a good mic, but something we've tried to do sometimes is like capture background sounds or some people might hate it, you know, because you, you can hear trains going by or, uh, you know, there's a lot of background sound. But if you want to be in Japan, you know, I, I think it's kind of a cool you can go, you know, feel like you're walking around Japan. So I agree. Like if, there's been some times where you've had some podcast episodes where you're going for a walk, a run, whatever it is, or you're, you know, at festivals or like stumbled across things and began recording and so jealous of those like uh you know those moments you get that you uh have there uh and, and it's you, know, you talk about like bringing something unique for your show and like coming up with that like 2.0 subculture you know type of talk and not just doing what everyone else is doing you know it's trying to find your own like for that and it's um i th- i don't know about you know like others and things like that but it's what's kept me in your show because uh you know, there's there's always something different that you guys are talking about. And just the friendship in general that you two have, like, um, I come for that because it's like listening to two friends uh, talk. Like, it's like you're there, even though you're not there. <laughs> like, but yeah, it's, yeah I, I really enjoy that between you two, for sure. So I, sometimes I, I regret not recording earlier. 
because we'll talk for like an hour before the podcast starts <laughs> and it, it could have made another could have made another podcast of that you know it, it really is just david and i are, are have been such good friends you know best friends for so long that you know really you stick us in a room together and we'll have these we'll wax poetic about all sorts of <laughs> silly things you know and uh yeah it is it is one of those things where you know it's fun talking about our experiences and just sharing, you know, the, the funny things that happen to us. I think another thing that makes our podcast, you know, as successful as it has been is, uh, that we're both in Kansai. There's a lot of, uh, um, podcasts about Tokyo, but, uh, I think being in Kansai gives us a little bit of an edge because there's not a lot of people talking about Kobe and Osaka and Kyoto as often as, uh, they are about Tokyo. And, um, and Tokyo is a very, has a very specific culture and a very specific feel, you know, and, uh, yeah. And you get, you get some different experiences when you're out in the, out in the sticks a bit. Right. On, Although we're not, sticks. we're not really in the sticks. We're we're both kind of in the city, so yeah. Well, I would say but, it's a launching point to the sticks, which is uh, later we're gonna get into a little bit of off the beaten path stuff. And I think living here has really enabled me to explore some of that. Whereas if I was in Tokyo, it'd be a little harder to get out. It's like yeah, and I, every time I visit, it's like I, I want to get get away like uh, from Tokyo, from the, all the places I have, and like be, you know get to those places that I haven't been yet. So it's you know glad glad to hear that that's your case too. You know, <laughs> like living there, you know, you're still finding things that you like. Uh, do you guys have any like both of you have any like favorite episodes? Um, anything uh, like guest wise stuff like that that's just stood out to you for your time? Like uh, from like you know all your different episodes you recorded. Oh, that's a hard question. Yeah, yeah. I like this one, though. Yeah, you know, to be honest, our 100th episode, you know, which you were featured on, you were, uh, you submitted one of your stories. That's that's honestly one of my favorite episodes. I I don't go back and listen to our podcast uh, very often. You know, I uh, kind of leave it alone. But um, but that one I've listened to a number of times, and I think it's just because I enjoy listening to all the stories that people submitted. And uh, I think that, yeah, I really like that interaction that we had with the community. And um, yeah, that one's very special for me. And it came up as a surprise. We were kind of surprised that like the 100th episode, we were already there. So uh, that always is kind of a, a good memory. I think for me, a lot of my answers to this are like pretty selfish and it's not like, well, I'm really proud of this show. It's more uh, having a podcast as a byproduct of like getting my wife to like talk about certain issues. Mm-hmm. So like my wife being like on a Tokyo episode, like I just never thought she'd get on a podcast or talk about Japan in like an analytical way at all. Or for me, like going doing onsen, uh, I'm a big onsen lover. And a long time ago, back when we were in Korea, however many years ago that was, Matt, 12 years ago or whatever, Matt was kind of against it. So I knew, I figured that the podcast would get Matt to go to Onsen with me. So it's more of those kind of moments of like using the podcast as this, as this element to like <laughs> get people on or to talk about things a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I like, we did like a Wednesday Campanella. She's a mm-hmm. music artist we really like. And uh, Emily was, was on that one. It was cool to have her on. It just brings out different sides of people, I think, being on a podcast. And I've always really enjoyed um, seeing that side of, of our friends, you know, uh, our community. We have a friend, Albert, who comes on too. And this is kind of backtracking a bit, but you're talking about like uh, the friendship in the podcast. And I honestly think that Matt and I wouldn't be the friends that we are if it wasn't for the podcast. Um, having like a regimen and a schedule 
I'm, I'm put Matt on blast here a bit, but Matt sometimes can be antisocial. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, um, although when he's, he's there, he's w- way more social than I am, but, uh, it's hard, hard to get Matt to, to hang out sometimes. I think having the podcast has required us to hang out at least twice a month, you know, whether it's virtual or in person over a really long period of time. And I, I just, there's no one else in my life that I, you know, I can say I've seen or talked to, you know, twice a month over the last 12 years. Um, yeah. so besides Matt uh, as the obvious, uh, benefit of that we've just got to meet you know a lot of people and have our friends kind of included and kind of build build a family so it's all all those episodes would be the coolest ones for us it's it's crazy like uh if it wasn't for my like your guys your podcast but my dungeons and dragons group that i have that goes every other friday and that's been a regimen for i want to say like six years something like that i've got a group of friends and we play together every other friday and covid broke it up for a little bit um but if you have that regimen, like you still hang out and you do and even your wives or significant others, your, you know, people that are coming in, it's like, oh, that's, you know, your, your uh, podcasting night or that's your, you know, D&D night. And it, it is, man, like I, uh, it keeps, you know, everything going uh, with that. So I'm glad that you guys have the podcast uh, to do that. So that's awesome. It's awesome, a really awesome. weird relationship podcasting, right? It's like a one way friendship. And to be honest, like you're a listener of our show, right? If you're like, hey, can I zoom and talk to you and Matt for an hour? Maybe I would have been a bit hesitant, but because you started your own podcast, it was like, oh, now I feel like I know Mike and I feel like he's like a friend and he's a really cool guy. And like when we're here today, it doesn't feel weird at all. You know, it feels like I've, know, I've known you for a bit. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure for you, years of podcasting, but we've met some, you know, kind of famous podcasters in our minds, you know, and it's such a weird thing to meet a stranger you don't know at all, but yet you feel totally comfortable. You know their yeah. life story. It's a bit of a creeper element, you know, but like, yeah. So there's something very unique about that relationship of listening to the podcast, feeling part of a friendship. It isn't there, but it is there. I, I don't know. But yeah, Mag- magic we try not we try not to be creepers <laughs> if at all possible. <laughs> That could be the tagline for uh, Japan 2.0. Like, try not to be too, you know, creepers. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> change, it. change our mantra. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but no, uh, like, with, with all this here, I just want to uh, kind of go along a little bit and get into your uh, Japan origin story that we kind of uh, hit upon already. So if there's anything, um, you know, we've already covered, I might kind of go over, but if you want to go back, that's fine too. Um, what was the, f- if you can remember back to that timer here, but like, what was that first arrival in uh, Japan for you? Like just for, for both of you coming from Korea? Yeah, well, actually I, I had the opportunity to visit, before I I moved to Korea, I um I got a little money for graduating and I decided to spend it on a Japan trip, you know, like you do. And uh, yeah, I just remember coming out of the airport and getting on that train from um, I believe Narita Airport, and uh, coming into Tokyo. And as soon as you start seeing the city and seeing the 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 roofs, the tile roofs, and the uh, kind of you first come in and it's kind of like fields and uh kind of countryside a little bit and when you start seeing the city and it's just a sprawling massive city i mean that was just a magical feeling you know uh dreaming about seeing tokyo and you know thinking back to all these cool you know images you had from the movies you've seen or the you know the anime i've watched 
I, I was just, I couldn't believe that I was there and I couldn't believe that it looked like I had imagined, you know, it's one of those weird things. Cause it, when I travel to other places, you know, I always have a kind of idea in my head and things aren't always like I kind of imagined it, but for whatever reason, Japan was very close to what I had met, had imagined. And, uh, yeah, I just was pretty much overwhelmed with everything. Like I wanted to see it all. I wanted to do it all. I wanted to, you know, get into the city and just uh, take it all in. Yeah, it was a really magical experience. I don't remember coming off of the airplane, but I do remember that train ride. That That is something that will stick with me. Yeah, I mean, for me, expectations were through the roof. <laughs> and I, I started to get pretty nervous before, especially for me, you know, going to your question, I went to Korea first. And when I was in Korea... I was telling everyone, oh, I can't wait to get to Japan. I can't wait to get to Japan, you know, on the first trip I, I can take. And a lot of people, they were telling me, oh, it's the same, same thing. It's just a little more expensive, a little more clean. You know, that's what a lot of the other foreigners living in Korea were telling me. And that kind of started to scare me, you know, because I felt like, <laughs> is the kind of wow factor going to be dampened by I'm living in this place that's quite similar? You know, and I'm, am I ever going to get my, 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 you know, big moment, you know, and, um, yeah, it, it met expectations totally. Um, mine was in Osaka. Uh, I went to Japan two or three times before I ever actually went out to Tokyo, which um, you know is the place that you, you know the most about. But um, I just remember really small things, honestly, like smells, like being really, really good, and just being obsessed. The first thing I did, the very first thing off the planet, is like run to a convenience store. I was so <laughs> into the idea of convenience stores, and I still am obsessed with convenience stores you know, nine years later. But um, yeah, I was just buying like rice balls and everything I could find at the convenience store and everything tasted so good. And it's really interesting now to like look back on it. And once you live here for a while, you know, it's like, God, I, it's much easier to complain, you know, and be, and be jaded about things. And it makes you wonder about, um, you know, just coming somewhere with new eyes and traveling versus, versus living. But yeah, for me, every single thing was magical. And I remember yeah. I had a journal I would keep and any interaction I had with a local person, it just felt so special. And I think, um, I don't know how much of it was Japan, how much of it was this place that I'd thought about for 15 years of my life since I was a kid and dreaming to be here, you know? Um, but it definitely lived to the sky high expectation, which is very rare. Usually things don't, you know? Yeah, and, like uh, for yeah, it, it was incredible. And I instantly knew, like, I have to do everything in my power to get back here. Like, my life was just spent, you know, like, all right, I, I got to convince my gro girlfriend at the time, now my wife, uh, got to get over here. I got to figure out a way to live there long term. And <laughs> it was my my mission in life, you know, instantly. And it's all I talked about. And everyone was so annoyed. Cause I was always talking about Japan and just the smallest thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> just, this, this and that you know and everyone was like yeah yeah dave dave yeah it didn't go over well in korea it no. didn't go over well in korea either where the relationships are not <laughs> not so good you know and i were so, seriously like, asked many times like can you stop talking about japan like yeah. uh, not like yeah. a nice, nice way sometimes yeah. but like serious serious yeah, yeah. That was my, uh, my <laughs> I, I, I teach, I said, but I do custodial work like part time and over the summer is just extra income. And yeah, uh, the people I was cleared with uh, definitely did the same thing. <laughs> They're just like, hey, Mike, I'll talk about anything except for <laughs> Japan. And I'm like, sorry. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's a yeah, good I mean, there's, there's just so 
there's so much. It's it's sensory overload when you you know, you arrive in Japan, and there's so many things to do and so many things to see. And you know, if you if you're, I you know, I'm I'm kind of from the Los Angeles area, but like the the, I mean, a ways out of Los Angeles, actually in the the desert areas of uh, California. And when you, you live somewhere where there's not a lot to do and, you know, there's not a lot of culture, not a lot of, um, you know, music or art or, you know, things like that, like it, it, there's a reason why you become obsessed with something. And it's yeah. because it, when you see photos of, of Tokyo or, or Osaka and there's a million things going on in one image, you just can't help but be fascinated and let your imagination run wild right and it just makes you want to be being that you know and i think that hopefully that's infectious but it's not with everyone you know (laughs) some people just don't understand it yeah yeah i forgot to mention one of my early obsessions was telephone wires the telephone wires were so tangled and uh, like gargantuan and just that wasn't anywhere. No one was covering that. And I was just obsessed. Like, I just kept looking around at telephone. You would think you get to Japan, there's so many better things to do. But I was like, so into the telephone wires. For, for, yeah, for, that for me. Just yeah, every, the smallest, smallest things were, were grabbing me, you know? It's, it's like, and every time I, I visit back, there's something new that grabs me. Like, uh, last time it was coffee and like experiencing coffee in a different way and like seeing the care and like craft and everything that went into like them making your like one cup of coffee in front of you i was blown away and uh that and uh eating it uh my claim to fame or shame uh was eating at five curry different curry restaurants in the same day and uh you know that that was another one of my obsessions so what's, what's what's your favorite curry mike like style um, of curry I, I like uh, for like the uh, the Cocos, uh, you know, I love going to Cocos and yep, yep, yep. And I, I do all the different like side shoots or anyone that has like a mom and pop shop, but like just the pork cutlet, you know, and that and the rice. And every time I go back to Japan, I need to, yeah, that's good. It, it, I got to remember my grams because last time I went, what I, I, I did do was order way more rice than i needed to and uh that was not a comfortable experience what <laughs> 500 i was doing grams. Five, <laughs> five in a day you get the yeah. smallest thing of rice yeah well because like, yeah. you're there and it's like oh average is 200 grams and i'm like well come on 200 is the average what's 500 and like you know till it comes out in front of you <laughs> 500 in nine, means nine years <laughs> i've never gotten more than 200 mike 200 yeah. is my max in nine years that's pretty incredible yeah uh, i don't go more you, than 200 Either. When you come, I gotta take you to curry places because I, I love curry, Mike. I don't have any yes. friends that are like cr- crazy in the curry. Like Matt likes curry, but like I- I'll do five curry places in a day with you. I- it, I never d- I've never done it, but I'd love the challenge. That's like a podcast episode <laughs> in of itself because like make, even the in the making, yeah. The gentleman that I was talking to at the end, uh, my buddy Mike came with me. He didn't come with me to all five, uh, but he joined me for the last one. And he's like, "We're talking," and the guy overhears us, and he's like. You know, ha 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 ha. You know, like five. And, and my buddy turned to me and goes, "No, another Mike." He's like, uh, "No, uh, he, he. This is his fifth." And he's they're like, "What?" It's like, <laughs> like it's so good. I got to stock up. I was taking curry packets home with me uh, in my luggage, uh, like when I came back. So it was great. Great times had by all. So <laughs> um, I'll say it's a bit sacrilege to say that Kokoichiban's your favorite curry, though. <laughs> 
I'll, I'll show you some places yeah. that will make you, you regret that decision. You know what, though? In your defense, Mike, I'm going to defend you right now. Um, my wife and I, every winter, we, we got the itch. We need some <laughs> cocoa curry, you know, and nothing else will do. It has a, it has like a, it's, you know, one of those nostalgia tastes, you know. It's, I think yeah, it's, it's the just, consistency. Just, like you, you go to like any of the locations and you know what you're getting coming in. And I love offshooting off of that to find other places. But it's like just having that like, you know, you go there and it's like your favorite pair of like shoes or like a hoodie or something. You just put that on. And I'm just like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's comforting. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, When you uh, like for me, it's Japan is definitely my um, my happy place. And like when I arrived here back in like 2004 and then came back again, like definitely it's a place that I know that I'm going to be. um, And, uh, you know, podcast will, you know, carry with me at that time and change. But what are like your um, happy places uh, for you, uh, Matt and David? Uh, Here in Japan? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, man, there's so many, uh, so many great places. Could be a whole yeah. episode right here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm going to just start with one that uh, in Osaka that I think listeners uh, should definitely check out if they're coming out this way, and that is the Sumiyoshi Taisha. I think you mentioned it in the Osaka episode. It's yeah. uh, you have to take the tro- the trolley from Tenoji down to the. Um, the temple with the big bridge. Uh, I used to live in that neighborhood and um, I was like a 10 minute walk from the, the, the bridge and everything, that whole um, shrine. And yeah, I mean, that area is just beautiful. Um, that's such a nice, I mean, if you could go to a lot of temples and if you go to Kyoto, there's some beautiful temples, but I, I mean, for me, that was a getaway. That was a place where I could just, you know, tune everything out. You know, there were a couple of days where I was having some of the worst days imaginable, you know, uh, I was working really hard. I was going to school, you know, and I felt like my days would, were not ending. And I would just walk I would, at eight o'clock at night. I walk over to the Sumiyoshi Taisha and I just calm, calm me. And I always felt good going there and I felt recharged the next day. And yeah, that's definitely one of those places where whenever I go there, I, I, I feel I'm not a, like super spiritual person or anything like yeah. that. But when, um, when I go there, I feel kind of spiritual. I feel like I'm kind of at peace, you know? Yeah. So that's a really special place. And then just that, that general area, the Obeno Tenoji area I, I really like I have a affinity for so I don't think a lot of people go out that way and spend a lot of time there just because of um, uh, you know there's uh, bigger places in Osaka to go to Umeda and um, some other Namba like a lot of people go there too and I recommend those places as well but there's just something about that that quiet area uh, down south that is just so special for me I'll take a slightly different approach. I'm going to rattle off a couple and not go into as much detail. But like I said before, I fell in love with Japan from kind of a design perspective. So even nine, 10 years in, that stuff still wows me and amazes me. You know, I don't work in that field at all. So uh, it's easy for me to feel very, very impressed. But um, kind of like design heavy neighborhoods that have kind of cool architecture or buildings and kind of like a lot of shops going on. And I think just compared, you know, we're all from the States. Uh, the zoning here is just so different in that um, you'll see residential 100-year-old mom-and-pop shops within like 
really hip boutiques all together. And that's something I love. So all these neighborhoods kind of have that going on. So um, in, in Osaka, there's a neighborhood called Horie, uh, which if you don't speak Japanese, the easiest way to find it is there's a street there called Orange Street. And that's what we used to call it. We were just there today, for example. And that was my very first day in Japan uh, that I never really got to like where my destination was. You know, I was talking more about <laughs> telephone wires, but it was this cool street called Orange Street. And it's a very kind of hip, uh, fashionable area, but I guess more like a street fashion. Um, a lot of parks, dirt parks, which are normal <laughs> in Japan. Uh, and then if I already got to, to Kyoto, there's the area Sanjo or Shijo and just walk around Kyoto. And, um, you know, when you live here, you don't often go to temples. I mean, occasionally, but it's not like the main reason you go to uh, Kyoto. But for me, it's the uh, back alleys. I think Kyoto has some of the most kind of killer back alleys out there. Mm. Uh, cobblestone streets and you just find them on your own. You know, you don't need to look at a tourist map or, or look them up at all. It's if you've ever been to Rome, it's the Rome of Japan. Uh, just get lost in Kyoto, you know, um, yeah. and you'll find cool stuff. Moving to Tokyo, coolest neighborhoods out there are Nakameguro, Shimonikitazawa, Koenji, Daikinyama. I'm missing other ones, but all those neighborhoods are kind of quiet, very artistic. Um, and one city, those are distinct four or five different neighborhoods that have so much going on. They could be their own cities themselves, but all those places I never get absolutely nine years in, never get tired of every time I get inspiration and just feel like, man, I wish I could afford to live here or find a job near these places. But unfortunately, um, I think there's something to say that if, if you live in your dream spot, you know, um, you might get tired of it. It might become your job. Um, and it is sometimes nice. Maybe I'm just saying this cause I have to, <laughs> to stay, have a positive <laughs> outlook, but it's nice to have somewhere to go on the weekends, you know, and to, to aspire to, to go to still. So those are a bunch. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And, and, um, for you both having been in Japan for some time now, like um, what are some places like or your like top places that you still um, have on that? Like I need to visit uh, list. As in like we uh, haven't been there yet. Yeah. Yeah. You, that you haven't been there yet. Yeah. Uh, Okina really. Okinawa for me. Oh, okay. oh sorry. Been, sorry. You yeah. Now? You're not been. Okinawa. No, I, I've never been. No, I haven't oh, been no. to Southern, uh, Southern Japan. And so for me, like that would be a dream trip. You know, I've seen the beaches. They look amazing. I know they have an A&W root beer out there. And so <laughs> I'm craving a float every now and then, you know, I think of Okinawa. Um, no, but I mean, really I just, I hear the people are really great and the, the, I've heard so many great things. Um, it's just one of those places I haven't had a chance to go to yet, but my wife and I, we both love beaches. We love, you know, just the lazy life. So, um, hopefully we get a chance soon. Yeah. But I think everybody's got a few places on their list, you know, unfortunately domestic travels can be expensive at times. Yeah. Traveling within Japan is expensive. I'm going to Hokkaido next week in six days for the first time all my time here i've never been to hokkaido which is crazy because i wanted to go straight away my wife and i have always had a disagreement on the time and which is best to go which is part of the reason it's taken nine years but finally uh i've succumbed to winter and part of that is i've gotten into snowboarding uh lately so my wife always wanted to go to hokkaido in the winter i always thought it'd be a better place to go in the summer because the rest of japan is crazy hot um but anyway long story short we are going to sapporo and then a uh, place that I'm planning to talk about later in this show called Niseko. 
uh, which is a kind of snowboarding uh, town two hours from Sapporo. But that's on the bucket list. I, we got a car recently during COVID about two years ago, and we started just checking off tons of things off, off the bucket list, you know? Um, so Nagano was a big one on there for us. Uh, Shikoku. And again, I'm, I'm going to talk about these in yeah. one of our next uh, questions from you. But uh, those would be places I should say that you should go. So for me, yeah, I'm about ready to do. I've been telling people, I think my last bucket list thing in Japan was Hokkaido. Okay. Um, however, I'll, I'll add one just to answer the question properly as we're all teachers and we like people who answer questions properly. Uh, Niigata, Niigata Prefecture. I've not been there. It's a northern prefecture of Japan. And um, I got into camping and the, my favorite company out here is called Snow Peak for camping. They're kind of like the Patagonia, I guess is the best way to describe them, uh, except they have their own campsites. So if Patagonia had their own campsites and made tents and stuff, um, which I'm pretty sure they don't, uh, that's like how Snow Peak is. So their headquarter base shop is in Niigata, and it's a place surrounded by nature and lakes and mountains and lots of greenery. So I do plan to go there this summer on a road trip. So that's another oh, one. Awesome. I said, I like my my big one that I've added on for the next trip because like bring, bringing my son, we're going to, of course, hit, hit upon like, you know, Tokyo and Kyoto and Osaka and, you know, hit the places that you have to hit, you know, on a, on a first time. But Fukuoka is what I added to the trip. And uh, I'm super excited uh, for that. And Hiroshima is like the place that I return to every uh, every trip because of the friends that I made out there. And, um, you know, I, I visit my friend that's at, um, you know, good time. Uh, Funari, have some of his hot dogs and some beer and, you know, like uh, ketchup and stuff. And it's just every single time, like the, the group of friends there gets like bigger and bigger. And it's just like uh, it's a great, you know, great area, great area that's there. Um, I said, no, thank you. Thank you. I said, is there... Um, Anything that you have, like, I know you said snowboarding and things here. Is there anything um, on that list of the, for your, like, your time in Japan, like, anything you'd have as a do-over? Like, anything that you do differently if you look back on your time in Japan? Yeah, it's a tough, that was a tough one when we saw that question on there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think we're just both people that don't really have kind of regrets you know that we yeah, review yeah, yeah. what happened if even if it wasn't perfect it got you to where you are you know mm-hmm. i think that part of that reason we don't have like a really obvious answer but tell, tell them we have a shared answer that you know, we, we both thought of and what is it matt oh, i can't remember what we said <laughs> language <laughs> language a, of so, course so language not is always only, our guilty, wait, our guilty not only, yeah well of course yeah <laughs> not only am i antisocial, but i have a bad memory so everybody's got to bear with me um no but yeah i mean the language is definitely i i you know personally i i've never been great at learning languages um i took spanish for many years and uh, my father speaks spanish so, so i don't really have an excuse i should be able to speak fluently but unfortunately um yeah my spanish isn't great and neither are any other languages I've tried to learn since. So, um, yeah, Japanese learning Japanese is, you know, been a uphill battle. And I know I take in like, you know, David and I both agree that we, we know a lot of words, right? Like, I mean, we've lived here long enough that we, we you know, there's uh, in most contexts we could get, get by, but, um, we still, you know, there's that barrier that we have between us and, um, you know, the people that 
we interact with on a day-to-day basis. And so unless they speak English, you know, sometimes it's hard to make those close connections or, um, you know, express yourself how you intend to express yourself, you know. And we, oftentimes we just come off like yes or no <laughs> answers, right? Yeah, to give you like a taste of that, I left the States for a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons I left was I actually like, I, I love the idea of going somewhere where I didn't speak the language and you couldn't talk about how, sorry, Mike, how the Cubs game went or what the weather is going to be like tomorrow <laughs> or what's going on in the horrible world that we, we live in. Like, I yes. love the idea of just not hear any of that stuff and just be in my own zone and not understand anything around me. And I, I loved it for the first couple of years living here. I loved it for, I would say until COVID happened actually. But I think with the isolation and stuff of COVID, I've been really longing for just small talk. And I would actually yeah. love to talk with a person here about the Cubs or the weather now or anything like that. Um, maybe it's just getting older or something like that. But uh, a lot of the reasons I, I, I left for actually are kind of coming full circle and I'm starting to miss those things almost 10 years in. Um, so yeah, language for sure. I would love to just, yeah, I, I love going to cafes and bars and stuff. And I would yeah. just love to strike up conversation with people. Um, and we're not at that level. And you know, when you've waited nine years or eight years from that, it's kind of, makes it like more of an excuse, you know, of course, every day is a new day and you can start, start new every day. I'm sure we know that, but, um, you get comfortable and that'll be to give you a second answer for me besides language is for me, I live in a really small area that, you know, isn't, wouldn't be my first pick of a place to live, but I've just gotten very comfortable and established here. Mm -hmm. And if I could do it all over again, I think I kind of would have pushed getting out of my comfort zone with my family and, uh, making myself go to Tokyo because I think if I don't get to Tokyo in my time in Japan, I will always kind of like not regret it, but it'll always be in the back of my mind of like, ah, oh, yeah, I should have tried out what the Tokyo big city life is like, you know? And as you get older and have a family, it makes less and less sense to live in the big city. Yeah. And, uh, frankly, where I live now is probably the perfect place to raise a child. I have a six year old son. Yeah. I live, five minute walk from the ocean and the beach and I have mountains 20 minute walk away and we're able to afford bigger places to live because you're not in the city, you know? So we rent a house and those kinds of things. So it's really hard. It'd be really selfish to walk away from all that to be like, yeah, cause I want to go live in Tokyo, live in a shoebox, you know? And um, so if I could have done that at a young, younger age and kind of got out of my system, but I really had to think for a couple of weeks to, to give you that answer. Like it was, yeah, we don't have any regrets. We're, we're pretty happy, I think. I love it. Like, no, I, like, it definitely comes across. And it's like in your uh, choosing to stay, which uh, not everybody does. I, you know, I, I like you have different reasons you come for, but uh, you can tell I like still means a lot to you both. And if you want, like we're going sk- to skip a little bit uh, ahead here and we can kind of just go into uh, like what we talked about, like either, you know, Osaka, just Japan, travel hacks, anything that you guys have uh for recommendations uh for the listeners and uh you know uh it floors yours yeah so we'll bring our japan 2.0 flavor here and we're going to try to give you some recommendations that you probably wouldn't hear on uh travel blog or youtube or another podcast ready for that matt i've set you up yeah you got you gonna step to the plate Sure, sure. Yeah, Yeah, uh, I would say that, uh, you know, a lot of people go out to Tokyo on their first trips and they check out a lot of, you know, Akihabara, Asakusa, like a lot of, there's 
awesome parts of towns that have been covered by everybody, right? But Jimbo Cho is, oh, that's a good one. is that's, the, like the one. deep cut. Yeah, Jimbo Cho is a city that's uh, part of the city that has um, a bunch of book uh, book stalls, I guess, and shops, and they sell a lot of like used books, used magazines. Uh, there are a bunch of record shops out there too, which you know I'm always I'm always down to check out. And um, yeah, I love Jimbo Cho. It's one of those places where uh, whenever I go to Tokyo, I try to go over there. Um, my wife is not as interested in that stuff, so sometimes I have too. to skip Jimbo Cho. <laughs> but if David's out there with me, we definitely hit it up. So I've um, only been there once, and I how many times have you been there, Matt? Like three, uh, four times, I believe. Okay, yeah, nice. yeah, yeah, I've been four I, times. I love it, but it's hard to get other people to want to go there. You have to yeah. really love like vintage old bookstores, and I'd yeah. say good Chinese restaurants and like curry and that kind of vibe. Jimbo shows yeah, they, they, they got a lot of dive dive spots to eat. So, yeah, I, I highly recommend Jimbo Cho. A lot of people don't have it on their list, but uh, it's one of those deep cuts that you, you won't regret. There's a big manga studio there, too. Do you know the name of that one? Oh, yeah, the Shonen Jump. Oh, yeah. The Shonen never, Jump. I've never heard like, of it. Shonen uh, Jump. What's that? <laughs> Shonen Jump. Uh, Shonen Jump. Uh, so, yeah, uh, David. That's come true. On. That's, yeah, it's come rhetorical. Yeah, rhetorical. Don't answer that question. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's so good that like i named some places before like my happy places in tokyo but you'll find like not the obvious ones but people there are people who talk about that but jim and cho jim jimbo cho no one talks about that that's a great one respect and you david next? yeah right. are you gonna do more or is that your are you one and done oh i'll, come on. I'll give you another one yeah it's right. back, right, we'll back, back and forth all right so <laughs> I'm going to do like non-city stuff because again, I, I got, got a car recently, so I'm going to do that. Although Matt kind of cover more city things as I imagine he'll go to. Um, so for me, big one I'll start off with is the island of Shikoku. So Shikoku is the least traveled to island of Japan. And part of that is they don't have a Shinkansen that goes there where, I mean, obviously Okinawa doesn't, but um, down in Kyushu and Fukuoka, you can get there by Shinkansen. Obviously many places on Honshu, the main island. And recently, you know, for me, for me recently, maybe three or four years ago, uh, Hokkaido got connected as well. It's expensive to get up there in Shikansen, but you, you can take the train there now. However, Shikoku, smallest island, there's no Shinkansen. And I would be shocked if, it, if they got it in the next five years. It just, I don't think it, it would be there. And again, uh, I'm a kind of a new convert to a na nature lover, nature appreciator. And uh, Shikoku is one of the places that, that really sold me on the nature side of Japan. Um, a good friend of our show, Albert, great friend in my, my life. Uh, he did the jet program 20 something years ago, and that was his first placement. And he was just all, always praising it. And I was like, yeah, OK, OK. And uh, I was stupid, you know, stupid to ignore him for many years. And when I finally made my way out there, um, I, I was just totally blown away. Um, recently i'm not a very emotional person at all um but i've been cry crying about really weird things i would never cry about not a sad cry but like a just wow like life is yep. great and one of those was going to shikoku for the first time and uh seeing uh just kind of the mountains coming down and like a uh, fog going down the mountains like into the ocean and um there's a many prefectures there uh my favorite prefecture i'm, I'm going to tell you one it's called kochi prefecture 
And of course, it's, it's the hardest one to get to. It's the most uh, furthest south, which means it's furthest away from Honshu. And um, it's like a, it's like Okinawa or Hawaii, but uh, you don't have to fly to get there. I'm, I'm afraid of airplanes, by the way. Um, so from my Kobe, like where I live, it's like a six hour car ride, which from an American perspective is nothing. You know? Yeah. Six yeah. hours, no, not a big deal. In Japan, they, they consider that long. But um, yeah, so I went there on a, a camping trip. Shout out to Snow Peak. There's a Snow Peak uh, campsite there. That's it's just incredible. And um, yeah, just seeing like fish species that I've only seen like on the Discovery Channel or like nature documentaries and the water. It just felt like it was so untouched and everything was so clean. And I've never seen water that color and so blue. I've, I've been to Hawaii. I've been to Thailand, you know. Been, been around the world and um it just made me kind of feel like man like we better not mess with this you know if i came here in 20 years and it still didn't look so nice and i'm again i'm totally not a nature person normally but i just had this immense sense of like i'd be so sad if this starts to get polluted and bad and i just didn't know there's places like that still you know that you, i could drive from a huge city in six hours and see that um so yeah coach kochi and shikoku prefecture very few people are going to ever talk about that place, but it is just so beautiful. Go camp at Snow Peak um, and uh, just drive around and go surf, surfing there. Um, but again, you'd have to have a car or you have to find a. There is an overnight ferry, like a, um, a boat you can take from Kobe City. So you can get to Kobe easily and then you can take like a, a ferry out to Kochi. And uh, you really want to see side of Japan. You'll be the only foreigner there. Go there. Matt, what do you got next? Uh, next, I'm going to send people over to your neck of the woods. Uh, I think that Kobe kind of gets uh, overlooked. You know, um, in the in the recent years, Kobe has really come up. They're starting to get a lot of like international food in this in the city. Uh, they got a pretty cool Chinatown. Um, there's a a lot of great cuisine, a lot of great nightlife. You know, there's a lot of jazz jazz. Um, of like famous jazz clubs and uh, soul, funk, uh, blues clubs in, in town. And so, uh, yeah, I think um, David has always been a little bit harsh, I think, on, on Kobe over the years. I, I think, yeah. you know, living there <laughs> makes you, I, you, I think you could be a little more critical. But um, yeah, just going down to the Kobe Pier and seeing like overlooking the Kobe Tower and uh, it's just kind of a, a beautiful place. And I feel like, yeah, the last few times I've been there, which haven't been very recent, uh, they, I always I always have a great time, and I always think that it's kind of an under, o- overlooked one. So when people come to Kansai, it's kind of almost like the hidden gem of, gem of Kansai. And I don't know what you feel about that, David. And I know you. I, I I know you've gotten a little more positive in the last I couple think, of years I, on, I would say on Kobe, Kobe, but it's on the up and up, but. I think in the 90s, it was like the hot city of, of Japan, uh, early 90s. Obviously, the earthquake you know hit here the, the hardest. Um, but Fukuoka, I think, kind of took that spot. So when people yeah. think of Fukuoka kind of now, I even say Fukuoka it's starting 10 years to lose. ago was kind of <laughs> in, in its prime, you know, and now maybe <laughs> dipping, but I don't know what cities uh, replaced it. I haven't really heard, heard of one. But um, they're kind of these new, very livable cities that were green and have a lot of nature, but yet they're cosmopolitan at the same time. I think when I got here in early 2010s, it was kind of at the low point of it 
it just needed a bit of a, a refresh, you know, like uh, it's pretty like a rusty, it's feeling a little more run down, you know? And I think ironically, COVID is kind of like a lot of new businesses have opened up and there's like a new life in the city, which um, not to get too off track, but like Osaka, we have Matt and I've been feeling the opposite. It's a little hit a little bit harder, you know? So for whatever reason, Kobe, uh, COVID's breathed like a new life in, into Kobe and yeah, I would say it's a place like you'd go to and you'd be like, oh, yeah, I'd want to live here. It's a livable city. I don't know if there's much to see as a tourist. Unless you're really deeply in love with Japan, you've been once or twice and you want to see something new. But I would still say if it's your first time in Japan and you're doing like a 10-day trip or less, maybe skip Kobe. But if you're <laughs> well, a lover or I- you're going to do a long trip or multiple <laughs> trips, then then come here. I will say that uh, Kobe beef can be overrated. Yeah, so, like, overrated. I mean, yeah, yeah. Go for the cheap place skip, if you can. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's, there's, there's five it. famous beefs in Japan, and Kobe is on the top five. And I would say it's the worst one of all. I love, I'm obsessed with beef. All the other. Yeah. Wagyu's a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really fatty. It is. Uh, all right. So, Kobe. Thanks, Matt. Um, yeah. My next one will be. Uh, <laughs> Nagano and specifically Hakuba. So again, you have to probably be at least interested in skiing or snowboarding. But even if you're not, apparently I've not been during the green what they call green season, which is summer. Um, but people say it's very beautiful there. And there's this really interesting, huge foreigner community in this area that is very far away from a city. So for me, it's this kind of magical place of you're just out in the mountains in full on nature far away from like a city like an hour away from a city and it's just tons of non-japanese people a lot of australians and new zealanders and canadians and um what happens why those people go there is that they they travel there and um they kind of just fall in love with the place and uh it's it's easy because there are foreigners there so it's this place where you have nature and and foreigners which usually don't mix you know when you think of foreigners in japan you think of Roppongi or america more and shinsaibashi and with that there's a bit of grit and a whole drink drinking scene connotation. So this is a very like family friendly area. You see a lot of people raising kids out there and you know, there's a craft beer scene, nice coffee scene. Um, it's the, I think they get the third or fourth most snow in the world. Um, some of the top spots are the number one spot of snow in the world is in Japan. But anyway, uh, if you like any kind of snow sports or snow activities, it's uh, powder, one of the powder capitals of the world. And it just has a great food scene. So you get off the slopes and you can just eat like legit good tacos or a lot of Australian foods. And yeah, obviously the, stu- the stuff we miss, you know, Mike, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, we don't, you, we don't, we can't always get good Mexican food. <laughs> you, you'll know Mike, because one of your favorite things in Japan was the hot dog. So yes. you'll very much yes. know that Japan has their own spin on Western food. And in a way it is kind of, kind of Japanese, but Hakuba is not a good example of that because it's run by um, non-Japanese people. <laughs> but anyway, I think just the, the pure kind of nature there um, is insanely beautiful. And if you're in Tokyo, there's a from Shinjuku, there's like a one-stop train. It's a pretty good price. I can't remember how many hours it is, but I want to say like just three hours or something from Shinjuku. So you can get there pretty easily. And Hakuba is the name of the place. Um, super cool kind of international place in the mountains in nature which i don't know many places in the world like that you could say are international out out um, in the mountains so cool spot 
Love it, love it. You got any more, Matt? Oh, well, the last one. Okay, I I got one more. (laughs) So um, (laughs) this is a real nerd one. But uh, it's here in Osaka, in Namba. There's an area called Denden Town. And when the weather starts changing, most people are excited for cherry blossoms, picnics, those types of things. But for me, I'm excited for something called the Street Festa. And this is a major nerd event where uh, cosplayers from all over Japan will come, wear their costumes out in the streets. It's an amazing event that's been canceled two years in a row thanks to COVID. Actually, I think it's going on three years in a row now. But um, hopefully next year we get Street Festa back because um, that's one of those amazing events where you kind of got to see it to believe it. And every time I've gone, I've had an, an amazing time and I've seen some of the best cosplayers that I've ever seen in my life. And uh, yeah, I love that neighborhood too. Denden Town's great for used video games, used records, you know, used um, toys and and hobbies. Curry. You know, it's kind of like a curry. very good, curry. yeah, very good what's, curry. Yeah. What's the best cosplay you've seen in the Denden Town? Matt, put you on the spot. Oh man, it, I, I love Dragon Quest. And I have a photo of some Dragon Quest characters that uh, some of the enemies, the monsters that attack you. And uh, that's some of that's some of my favorite stuff. But uh, yeah, there's always some characters that I don't know who they are. But they, they, that's the majority, I would say. Don't fail to impress, you know. You know? <laughs> they, yeah, I mean, uh, there's this, a lot of guys in tutus and things like that. And I'm sure there, there's somebody that's you know, from a manga or an anime or something. But, uh, I mean, it's just an event that needs to be seen to be believed. Uh, and I don't think you realize how how large it is until you actually in the middle of the crowd. People could take photos of it, but it doesn't quite do it j- justice. Mike, I got a question for you. Do you know what Femi Chiki is? That I don't. I don't. Okay. Well, oh. that was my favorite cosplay I saw at the Dinner Town. Fam- family Chiki is when you go to the Family Mart, the convenience store in Japan. Oh, yeah. the, the chicken square the thing there. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, Sorry. with okay, the tear away. Yep, it's yep, re- yep. Refer- now I do. Refer- yes. Referred to as Family Chiki, and you know, every there's El, El Chiki at Lawson's, and you know, everyone's got their own. But there was a guy there that was the family chicken. Uh, and it was very just all the details, you know, the paper yeah, that, was a good one. that you rip off is exactly the same, and. I've been uh, very inspired to recreate it for like Halloween at my school or something, but I've been too lazy. But yeah, that was, again, you know, I love the nuance, the minutia of Japan. And uh, you see that stuff captured a lot in Denden Town, uh, little small things, you know, that you don't think people are focusing on. Yeah. You know, the got- gachapon, um, the capsule toy machines, you know, those, those really probably do it the best. Um, you'll just see things like, I'm trying to think, uh, train car, uh, the rings you hold on the train cars. Yep. I don't know. Yeah. Strap, straps Miniatures. Rings on them. Yeah. Most recently I saw like all the different versions of that, which I never even really re- realized that there are different colors and stuff. But yeah. There, of course there are. And they had like all the different versions of that. So yeah, people are really got their finger, you know, on, on the pulse even more than us. So, uh, a lot of inspiration there. It's awesome. I, don't, awesome. I can't outdo uh, those answers. So, that's a, that's a good amount. As you'll learn, the uh, Japan we're overtaking a Japan 2.0 episode can go on two hours. 
but a lost oh. not Japan episode a pretty tight 40 minutes usually right <laughs> so, oh I said yeah, like we're a, gonna yeah. we're gonna break that <laughs> your record Mike <laughs> I'm totally okay with it as long as you guys are so it's like oh, we'll, we'll go through it like like uh I'm just happy to have you on and uh the reason it's 40 minutes is because it takes me about like two weeks and I have a very like scripted format normally as you can kind of see like some of it but my my one episode that I do like on a city because I don't want to leave anything out and I do all the research for hand. I want to say that every episode I have like 16 to 18 pages that I type out, uh, you know, per, you know, per, per, per episode, just so I have it down. So like, this is kind of like refreshing. <laughs> it's just like, I'm like liking these interviews that you're doing. Cause it's not that, let me tell you. <laughs> do it off the like, cuff, you know, the burning, think, the burning uh, <laughs> trash truck, you know, <laughs> That's the way to do it, you know. It's great to have like bullet bullet points, bullet you know, points. like a an idea, like a yeah. beginning, a middle, and an end, but kind of how how you get there or not. But I don't know. Like I, I think it's the fault of our podcast, honestly, is that we often forget a lot of details or we don't give the names of things because we can't remember. So like I, I think what you're doing, you know, is is for the show you're doing or travel plans is yeah exactly what you need. But 16 pages, man. That might be a little it's, much. A, it's very academic. Uh, you know, I'm hoping uh, I'm going to have one of my friends, Tom, uh, joining me on this next uh, episode of Osaka. And I am hoping that that helps because uh, he started to look into some things like restaurants and things like that. And I'm like, just knowing that it's going to be somebody else gives you that like pause that you can take. Like you can yeah, motion yeah. to somebody on camera and be like, you know, hey, like, you know, something and you can look something up. But man, like when it's me, myself and I and I'm going through and I'm like, uh, I'm like, no, don't want to leave anything out. It's going to be <laughs> it's like well, it's, uh, it's, edit, it's, edit it's, in post-production. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. It's hard, though, to, to podcast on your own. Yeah, I, I, I'm not very harder, good at it. Dave, David's much better than I am at it. And, um, you know, it's just really hard to... I don't know, just interact with yourself and, and think about like an audience at the same time. And, and yeah. for me, that it's, that's really difficult to do. So I give you but, a lot of credit. <laughs> like, I want to say like for your episodes that I listen to the most, like Denden Town is one of those ones that I've listened to multiple times. Um, your fashion episodes are one of those ones that I've listened to like, you know, multiple times. Uh, cause it's just, I can't spend a hundred dollars on a t-shirt here in the States. Like I, I buy the cheapest thing I could possibly get, but when I'm there, the money's kind of like monopoly money. Yeah. It's kind of funny money. And <laughs> like, it, it, I know that I'm spending a hundred bucks on it, but I'm able to have that like breakaway moment to not. Well, you've <laughs> you been coming at a good time because the exchange rate's really good, man. Like back on our trips, oh. I think I would speak for Matt. I don't know about your first trip, Matt, but like I remember to get a beer, you know, what should have been like $5. I was paying like 10, 10, everything was double the price because exchange, yeah. exchange rate was so bad and Japan's already in some ways is more expensive than America, you know? And I was just like, this is, this is insane. So yeah, you're so lucky, man, to be coming, ho hopefully, you know? Yes. Regardless, the, the exchange rate's been really good in, in American's favor for the last couple of years. So you'd probably be good whenever you get over, but yeah, I'm, I'm envious of your American dollars right now. That and my uh, JR, you know, my, my travel pass, get that Shinkansen pass for the, the two weeks of the three that I'm going to be here so I can pop around at a, a greatly reduced cost for you two. You know, <laughs> it's like no doubt yeah, about I, it. <laughs> actually, I think we could get that this year. Okay. Um, I think they're making an exception for like foreigners living in, in Japan. But um, yeah, usually that is a great card to have. And anybody who's coming for the first time, I highly recommend you get that. Uh, 
if, don't like for you, go anywhere without it. <laughs> for, but one thing I always ask everybody, and um, I don't think it was in the notes, so like you know, I apologize in advance. But um, for for that person, yeah, that's, that's right. This is the, the secret question. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. um, the the gotcha moment on camera right now. Um, what? Like if you have somebody uh, right now, I know COVID's uh, kind of holding things up, but when it let's pretend for a moment it's gone. Um, we have a lot of listeners uh, that have not been to Japan. Uh, we have listeners that have been a couple of times, but for that person that hasn't been um, or is kind of thinking about moving, so like a two part, like what uh, would you tell uh, you know someone that's just on the fence about like making that jump to coming to Japan from you know, you know like totally foreign, you know, country to them and, uh, or just like making that jump to move. Yeah. I'll go, I'll go first. I do hiring actually from, for my job. So I've hired a good number of people, um, and kind of deal with this question. So, you know, sometimes for, without naming too much about the kind of companies we work for, people will come here kind of more for our job or something than yeah. the actual country. Um, and, this is probably not what you're expecting or maybe a, a bit critical, which we usually try not to do, but it's a real honest reality. With that question is that uh, for whatever reason at our company, single females don't tend to stay much more for a year or two here. Okay. Um, and part of that can be with da- dating life um, can be very, very difficult or uh, meeting, meeting friends um, and kind of feeling a bit isolated. So if you know Japanese, of course, that would be completely different. But if you're looking to live here and you are a female and you're not going to live in Tokyo, I think if you're in Tokyo, it's a totally different game because it's such an international city. Um, but even Osaka, you know, uh, which is culturally, you know, the second kind of hub, I think it's pretty tough to meet people out here and that you should kind of consider how much of a real kind of go-getter you are. Um, kind of a, you really have to take initiative and go out and, you know, Matt and I had so many connections and we know each other and we have other friends that, you know, we don't talk about much on the podcast and still like there's times where I kind of feel lonely is the wrong word, but like a bit socially isolated, you know? So I would just say, think, think about that a little bit that, um, make sure you're very social and you're thinking of ways to try to meet people or going online even before you come here and trying to like, uh, meet there's meetup.com is, is a pretty decent one. Um, trying to get kind of connected with hobbies or in some kind of way, because the winter can be kind of harsh here. It's, it's very dark in the winter. Uh, you go to work and it's dark and you come home and it's dark. It's not a Chicago winter, but the insulation and stuff's so bad. And you walk around so much outside where you, there's no car, you know, for most people in the first couple of years yeah. that um, that's, that's a hard point to get through and uh, Christmas and those kinds of things. It's just totally different here. So I'll, that's the, that maybe hard side, Matt, maybe yeah. more of a positive. Come on, Matt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I have much to add, you know. I mean, I feel like my life has been my life, you know. Everybody has different reasons for moving or or trying new things, you know. I think, um, I think you know, if you have that itch to live overseas, if you don't mind taking a risk and, um, trying something new and I guess giving yourself the, the out, if you feel like you don't like it, I mean, there's nothing wrong with coming to another country and spending a year and then saying, no one one ever comes here for a year. and says that was a horrible year. It's that. Yeah. I think a lot of people stay here for a long time. So in some ways it's kind of 
surprising, I guess, when people leave in a year or it feels like a bit of like, oh, you only stayed for one year. But at the end of the day, you know, one year in a country, everyone's going to have a good time for that year. It's whether or not you want to yes. live there for, for 10 years or five years, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, set your expectations, right? Like, I mean, if you expect to just come out and see what happens, you know, like what's wrong with that? Yeah. You know, like there's nothing wrong with not having a big long game plan. I guess if you're willing to take that risk and you might find that you love living in another country or it doesn't have to be Japan, it could be anywhere in the world or you might find that it's not for you. You know, I know a lot of people are, have a really hard time with being away from family and because they have really close connections with people. And I think that's another one that that um, is really hard for people, you know, to be so far away. And after going through a, a few, uh, you know, life changing events recently, you know, I, I kind of understand, you know, why people feel that way. You know, I, I haven't always had to that that feeling before. And now I kind of understand it. But um, but. At the same time, like Japan's home for me, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's become home, you that's, know, that's, 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 that's huge. And, and like, um, for me, for me, like I like kind of going back to the, the beginning when you're talking, um, I know, uh, David, like you were talking about, like none of my parents graduated from college. So I was literally the first shulky same period to graduate from college and I was so focused on getting through college, I didn't realize there were other opportunities like or things that you could do such as jet or just anything. I was so focused on getting through my schooling. And I had my son when I was still um, in college, yeah. uh, you know, for things that's there. But even like looking back at that point in time, like I kind of wish if I would have had like a broader focus of things or like more worldly view at that point in time that I would have kind of made that jump uh, at that point in time. But like now I'm, my son's 20, yeah. <laughs> you know? So uh, sometimes, you know, it's gone by my daughter's 14 and like with teaching, I'm like, I know that I've impacted a lot of lives and I feel like I was supposed to be here for those times that I was here. But, you know, now I'm like starting to get to that point where it's like, OK, yes, yeah, you know, this is this is something that I, I, you know, I need to do. I need to make that jump. And I think for each person, it's kind of different. But like who I am now and having um, the relationship I do now or like even having experiencing my dad being out. Uh, he doesn't live uh, in the same state anymore. He's out in Arizona. And, uh, you know, we kind of call each other and talk every day. And I don't see that part kind of like, you know, making time work and stuff. I don't see that part changing. Um, and then with teaching, taking that time to come visit my kids or have them come visit me, you know, to be part of it too. But uh, like at the end of the day, you got to do like what's best for you, you know? Well, people, people like you, I would say without hesitation, come here. You're, yeah. you're going to love it, Mike. You're, you're diehard, you know, but someone who's like, oh yeah, Japan's kind of interesting or I saw this good an anime or manga or I like sushi. Like, yeah. I, my thing was kind of for those kinds of people, you know? Yes, um, yes. Of, of course, if if you've been in it for this long, you have a podcast about Japan or, you know, not even that yeah. far, but if, if you're pretty, you know, super set on it, you're, you're going to like it. But I will say, like, for me, I'm kind of an idealist and it's something that I've only kind of really found about myself in the last, like, five years or so and that I idealize a lot of things. And um, it, it got me really far living here and that and I wasn't disappointed. But... Yeah. Long, long, long term, like 10, 20 years, you know, it is interesting once you start to kind of realize it isn't 
heaven and just perfect, yes. absolutely perfect place, you know? And, um, I think it's the difference between Matt and myself is that he probably realized that earlier, realized that before coming here. And I knew too, of, of course I knew like, yeah, no, no place is perfect, but, um, yeah, it- if I could add on to that, like, you know, just expect to like live life, you know, you still need to pay taxes. You still need to, you know, go to work. You still need to, you know, th- take out the trash. And in fact, you'll probably be sorting the trash oh, more the than trash, you ever imagined. You'd be worse you than you know? anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> but like I the, mean, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like any, anywhere in the world or any, you know, you set that relax, realistic expectation, you know, you you are going to be living life. And if you are already have struggling at living life, you know, uh, I don't know if it's going to get any easier for you. So, uh, in fact, I think it might get harder. So, yeah, you know, I think for me, the, you the take thing, into consideration, do you want to come on vacation and not have to worry about anything, which is amazing, right? Yes. And you could buy those $100 shirts, no yes, problem, <laughs> right? Or, or do you want to come and realize like, hey, rent's coming up and yes. I'm going to have to save that $100, you know, to keep the lights on. So, I mean, there you just have to set the expectations for, you know, how you want to experience Japan. I think it depends, like, kind of, it's all relative, right? And, like, yeah, yeah. For us, our, our job is we can live anywhere in the world, right? As an international school teacher, you can work in any country. So, like, that's the question I ask myself is, is this the greatest place to be? And not a lot of people are thinking to themselves, am I living in the greatest place? They're just trying to survive, you know? Where yes. I'm in a position where it's like, well, is this the 10 out of 10? I know it's a 9 out of 10, you know? But, like, is there a 10 out of 10 somewhere, like, a perfect place? So I guess in that sense, I'm very strict on kind of where I am and, and those kinds of things. Um, but it very well could be a 10 out of 10, you know, uh, it's, it's yeah. hard to know when you live somewhere for 10 years, your whole adult life, how do you compare, you know, to, to other places without actually going and doing it? And um, it's scary, you know, it's scary to leave. Japan can get very comfortable, which is shocking when you don't speak the language like we were saying before. And, you know, there are hard points. You can't socialize as much, but um, it's very accommodating here and people go out of their way. They bend over backwards to help you and all yeah. that. So, um, yeah, it's easy to fall into a certain groove here and I think to be very happy and to stay forever. And that that's a good thing. So. Awesome. You too. Like, thanks. 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 Like, I, I agree with you. And I said, even on my one thing I'm trying to uh, keep going on mine is like the uh, language uh, studies myself before I get there. Because uh, like I, I have hiragana, katakana, and I'm kind of going through back that again and trying to get uh, myself to where at least I have that start taking some kanji and try to get a goal for like uh just passing level five, like that fit level five uh, test just to get myself a goal or something to work towards, uh, you know, keep myself focused. Because even after three weeks of being there or like when I, w- when I was there for the month, I started to get really frustrated, <laughs> like at times with, you know, like ordering or just, mm-hmm. you know, getting around or doing things if you couldn't find that, you know, person to help you out or, you know, something that you could do. And uh, that is one goal of mine is before I move, at least you know, ha- be able to get by uh, enough that's there. So, uh, no, it's, it's fa- fantastic. Uh, Mike, <laughs> I still have those days where I'll be like, you know, I don't want to deal with that menu. That It's like a handwritten menu. Yes. I- I'll just go to McDonald's. <laughs> you know? It's like, it's like my, my dad, like one of the things, like, he's like, why are you eating McDonald's for breakfast? I'm like, well, A, their sausage patty they have has three sausage patties with cheese and an egg. Like, come on, dad. Like, <laughs> it's, 
uh, and B, it's nice to be able to like point at something. I I told like my listeners, I I, I will take pictures outside of a restaurant that has pictures. Oh, yeah. Mm, or that's, a, that's a good tip i like i like that one yeah <laughs> bring my phone in and i just point slide point <laughs> like and it yeah. works works every time so but yeah. uh to, we're gonna definitely get have to have you guys back on again um but like i want to get back just to like to your podcast uh and um is there anything kind of like podcasts youtube shows or anything that kind of still influences you uh right now or just things you like to listen to I got a good one, but I need a second to look up the name of it. For sure, for sure. Japan related to Japan? It could be anything. I said it could be Japan, but I said like anything that you're just enjoying consuming at this point in time. I got my map. I'm going to buy you time. Mine's All right. called Sa- Sabakaru Online. So S-A-B-U-K-A-R-U dot online. It's an Instagram account and they have a web page of the same name. And I'm not going to lie. When I kind of, my idea of like what I set out to do with Japan 2.0, um, this isn't a podcast. It's a you know, social media page it's, slash web, website. Do you, do you know it, Mike? No, I, I don't. I'm going to have to check it out. Okay. Uh, it's kind of what I was hoping to do <laughs> uh, with our show in terms of like subculture and the kind of art, artsy stuff. Um, maybe what they're doing is easier to do, you know, um, with the website and social media rather than podcasts. Um, to give myself a bit of an out there but uh, yeah they just deal with um things like just yeah weird fashion brands to like infamous weird japan photos that surfaced in the internet in the 90s and they'll go and do like research like where that came from how did it become a meme before there there were memes for example um just such things that out they'll, they'll always post a story i'm like man why haven't i thought to do that and um, sometimes I'm like worried to look at it as as a fellow content creator because I don't want to like steal their yes. ideas or rehash them. Yes. You know? um, if you're doing any kind of you know art or creation, it's always a dangerous thing. Even uh, listening to to you on Deep Japan, which is uh, one of my favorite Japan podcasts. Yeah, I had to like stop ten minutes in because I was like, wow, I kind of want to keep it fresh for like <laughs> when we meet Mike on our own, and I don't want to hear hear what he's saying, you know. So I have to go back yeah. after now and listen to it, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Jeff is Jeff's a super nice guy. Like I was telling him a little bit about your show too. Oh, no. um, you know, like uh, like up on side while we're, we've been chatting and things like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, super nice, like just like you guys, uh, super opening and stuff like that. But like, yeah, I because I, 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 it's one thing like out of respect almost to him. Like I don't hit Sora news because that's like one of his things that he covers in his show is just like that okay. bit with him and Trevor where they're like you know kind of scrolling through. And I'm like I'm like nope 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 no. Nope. <laughs> Yeah, his show, I was telling Matt, has changed so much since it started. Yes. Um, I was like, it's it's totally a kind of a different style show now, right? Reading through the news and things that like he used to like have uh, these very academic uh, interviews with people. And so it's it's interesting how you change, you know, I think for yes. us, maybe that's that's how we'll end later. But, you know, it's as you podcast for many, 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 many years, you start to kind of run out of all, all the subcultures. And but, it, you know, it's interesting to rehash, too. So, oh, yeah, for sure. Topics. Anyway, Matt, what about you? What what uh, do you excited about? <laughs> well, you know, I don't listen to a lot of um, podcasts about Japan, really, right now. Um, I have in the past, but um, I guess lately, you know, I just 
I like to keep it fresh on our podcast. So, you know, I don't want to yeah, listen to too many. However, uh, I have been listening to your podcast, which I know is kind of a cheat answer. But, um, yeah, I've been really enjoying that. And I like how meditative kind of it is. Yeah. You know, it's a great – like I listen to a lot of podcasts about true crime and stuff like that. And sometimes, you know, it could get you down. It's nice to have like a, posit- a positive voice, you know, and um, yeah, I really enjoyed uh, the one I, I listened to uh, today, which was about um, uh, the things that you find in your city that yes. have ja- like a Japanese. Like I really like that one because it really took me back to like living in Los Angeles and, and going driving to Los Angeles and going to like these neighborhoods that have like a lot of Asian influence. Uh, so yeah, I mean, thanks for your podcast, but a podcast, I, I I'm not going to only do the cheat answer, David. I was going to say, <laughs> I, 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 left, the cheat I answer. left your answer that I thought right. you were going to give. I didn't want to steal it. Cause if you don't so say it, I, I'm going to, I, I, well, no, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about, uh, another podcast, which is, um, the heroes three podcast. I don't, don't I think David, <laughs> you I thought I was going to say this, uh, heroes three podcast is a podcast. It's three friends that watch Kung Fu movies and talk about the Kung Fu movies. I feel they're very professional. I love Hong Kong cinema. So, um, I've been listening to that, their back catalog recently. And, uh, some of these movies I've never heard of. And, uh, if you're a big fan of Kung Fu cinema, uh, try out the heroes three. All right. Here's the answer. My number one answer, but I thought Matt was going to say it. So I said something more, uh, avant-garde. David Marks slash Neo oh, Japan. Okay, yeah. Neo Japan is a, but, was but our, that's was a defunct, our biggest influence. That's a defu- <laughs> yeah, that is. But David Marks is still putting out stuff. Anyway, do you, oh, do he you has know David book, Marks, yeah. Mike? I, I have not. I have not. Okay. That's one that I'm like, I'm going to have to... I, like. We did a book review. Uh, his his book was called uh, Ame Tora. And it's, you, if you're into the fashion stuff, Mike, I strongly, strongly, strongly recommend it. Um, Great my, book. My Bible. I've read it many, many times. And... Um, Basically, it's like a short history of fashion since uh, World War II, covering Harajuku street fashion to the denim scene out here. Um, lots of stuff. So it's, it's a bit of history. But yeah, he started on Neo Japanism, uh, which was a, a blog back when blogs are still a thing. And um, man, he's just such a awesome, awesome writer. Well, like a, a true wealth of true knowledge. Pro, real, real academic. Yeah. Yeah. Real academic. Into the weird. Uh, Weird music he's the, that I love. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit of a DJ. He's the person that I met him. I would totally just be starstruck. And, you know, no one, no one else. I mean, he's not like a celebrity or anything. But to me, he is. And um, very influential, kind of what I strive to be. But like Matt said, uh, you know, the blog and he did a podcast and stuff aren't anymore. But now he's off writing books. And he's got a new one coming about. about I can't Culture. Remember. It's more of a soci- sociology and culture kind yeah, of book. It's, it's, it's like an anthropology. Somehow. But I'm not Book, sure if yeah. it's going to be Japan related, but I, I hope somehow that it is. But anyway, to me, he's definitely the most inspiring and influential uh, figure in the Japan realm. But he's not so like a internet set. He's kind of getting off, you know, been doing more analog stuff. Yeah, their blogs cool. were the Neo Japanese blog still is still Go out like, there. Yeah, and it's still like we're checking out. They're all so deep and rich. Like I've read them so many times and every time you get something new from it so yeah check those out mm-hmm. there's other people besides him but he's the the biggest name uh from neo japan yeah. that we like 
It's awesome, awesome. For for uh, your show and things like that, uh, like what are some goals uh, for you guys for like 2022, and then uh, just kind of uh, beyond? Well, the the first goal is to get back to podcasting. <laughs> And we were on hiatus for a while, yeah, and uh, so you know, in many years. Yeah. Sometimes those small goals are best because they're the most yeah. achievable, you know. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, no, honestly, I for think us, we want to get back back in it again. Like, yeah. just just putting out content again. And I was kind of hinting at it before. Look, like after 140 episodes of covering subcultures for seven or eight years, it's definitely becoming hard, you know, to uh, still. Yeah be original and to find those things. And I think for me, the technique is getting even more nuanced, which if you thought we couldn't do it before with things like, you know, the bag of shame or embarrassing moments in Japan and stuff, we are pushing ourselves, you know, we have our, to give you a sneak peek, our next episodes about automation in Japan. So uh, yeah, how how things are being uh, self um, run kind of now. And yeah, so I think it's a challenge, but I just think we view podcasting as so cathartic that we'll kind of keep pushing to find the new things, you know, but uh, COVID man made it so hard because for us, it was, we were reporting on the things we're seeing, right? We'd go out and meet and check out these neighborhoods and then we'd podcast about what we saw, you know, and little small things. And when you're not out living life, it was impossible really to, to cover that kind of stuff. So we're just getting kind of back to life as as usual here. So, um, yeah, for us, just just getting up and running again is kind of the immediate goal. Anything else, Matt? Uh, no, just looking forward to it. Um, getting back into more episodes. You know, I try to remember. Like if now nowadays, we come up with an idea, we have to write it down because <laughs> we forget. You know, uh, it never awesome. used to be that way. We, we had like episode. we had like oh, we're gonna do this this episode, this episode, this episode. And we had like all list. these ideas. Yeah, we called the manifesto. I think it was called like the Japan yeah. Super manifesto. We had a giant list. We and... still got it. Oh yeah, but I think we've done it all. But um, yeah, yeah, we've yeah, added but... a lot to it. As we're doing the the nature stuff, I think that that for me too is uh, covering the camping and the snowboarding and and that will be a bit of a a preview to a bit of a direction that I'm hoping that we go into. I I love uh, laid back camp, the anime. So I'm looking forward to, you know, hearing about your uh, camping experiences too, because I I, I did not have the best camping experiences growing up as like a uh, Cub Scout, Boy Scout, that stuff. So yeah. Seeing pictures of how it can be done, I'm like, oh, yeah, that looks like something I could enjoy. <laughs> Sounds like you and I are exactly the same then, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we have a lot of similarities. Like, <laughs> all this stuff is yeah, really similar to us. To give you a pre- preview, I hated camping in the States, but I love it here. That's the short short version. Hey, totally and for different. you guys, like, like, you know, just being totally selfish, like, on my end for, you know, content to consume for myself from your show, like, you guys could even just put on you guys getting, catching up, because um, I love listening to you just uh, having that conversation as, like, a friendship, uh, you know, yourself, too. It's just great. Like, um, you know, like I said, like, it's it's weird, like you said, because it's like, you feel like you know somebody, even though you don't know somebody, but it's just like getting caught up with you guys is fun every single time, like your episode drops. So I'm just looking forward to those new episodes and like anything else you could have there. That's it. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, is there anything else like you would like to show, uh, share about your show uh, with the listeners that we haven't discussed to this point? I think we've done a pretty good job. No, just check, check us out on Instagram at Japan 2.0. That's probably where we post the most stuff. Um, 
you know, we're always working on, on something, you know, even in, during our hiatus, you know, we've been talking and, uh, come up with these ideas that hopefully we could get done, you know, there's been a couple of things we've been trying to do, but COVID kind of got in the way. And so uh, hopefully we could get back to some of that stuff. And if you follow us on Japan 2.0 and listen to our podcast, we'll fill you in on everything you need to know. Uh, yeah. The only thing I'll add is like just to reach out that uh, things like this are only happening on our podcast because Mike, you know, reached out to us and um, a lot of our episodes not a lot, but there's a good portion where we only did them because people wrote in and said, hey, have you thought about covering this or covering that? We wouldn't have a thought about it. So I think uh, that kind of like back and forth uh, dialogue from from listeners is, is really, really great. So we're totally pretty open, you know. Um, probably the only thing we don't really like to cover too much is our tra- travel plans because you got lost without Japan, you know, do, doing the travel <laughs> plans the best, the best that you can now. But uh, we just haven't been tourists here in so long. We're, you know, we're yeah. not the best people to give that advice. But yeah, anything else you can think of. Uh, the latest one I thought was like pets, like pets in Japan. Yes. That was a cool like user uh, recommended one. So yeah. yeah, yeah, just contact us, ask a question. It could turn into a podcast episode. So yeah, and they're please. they're both super nice. I can say you know and they won't yell at you too much, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, like at least on the show, like you're saying all the right things now. It's like it's, when the recording button stops, the, the abuse that I took over. before it began, it's, it's back. It's back, baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, my friends, uh, Matt and David, thank you again so much uh, just for joining uh, me today. And, uh, you know, look forward to doing the same and, and joining you. Um, thank you. Yeah, Thanks I had a great time talking with you. Thanks. Yeah, and so, we'll have you uh, on our show too. So look forward to that. Can't wait. Fill that content. You know? <laughs> like, uh, but uh, on behalf of Lost Without Japan and the entire crew, I'd like to thank you for joining us today for this interview. We look forward to seeing you on board again uh, for our next regularly scheduled episode as we continue our discussion on Osaka and Japan. To everyone out there, Oginki Day, stay well, my friends. Sayonara. Bye, guys. (laughs) Welcome to Lost Without Japan, a travel podcast about the life-changing experiences of exploring Japan and those moments we would be lost without. For your listening pleasure, allow me to introduce your very own Kanko Gaido, Michael.